0: The biggest shift was that instead of like comparing myself to everybody else and trying to be better, trying to break the goals record, like all my personal goals, but like I just switched from trying to compete against everybody to just competing against myself.
1: Welcome to Sauce Talk, a podcast about sports and the mind and living well in general. This is Billy Hansen, and today's episode is an athlete profile with Marty Maven. Marty, thank you for coming on the podcast.
0: No problem, Bill. Thanks for having me, mate. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, so why don't you just briefly summarize your childhood or youth sports experience?
0: So the first team I actually signed for, I was seven years old. It was a uh, under 10 team. I remember one of my one of my mates was actually going to training, and I was like, I just asked him if I could come along just for for the fun of it, and I ended up doing really well in the first session, and they signed me that night. And so, like I said, I played for the under ten team for three years because I was one of the younger ones on the team,
1: hmm.
0: and then uh, from then I just made like I was obviously I was a good player and whatnot, but. I just scored goals. I think by, by the time I turned 15, I'd already scored 300 goals for that club team. Wow. And then uh, I lived in a, like a small town called Larne. It's like 20 minutes outside of Belfast. Mm. And so, but once I turned 16 then, I'd made my debut for the senior team. And at that age, that was kind of a big deal. And so that's when I kind of knew football was going to take me like, hopefully, well, the plan was obviously to play a professional, but it was around then when I was like, I can actually make this happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I took the next step from that to I went and signed for one of the top teams in Belfast called Glintone, signed for their under 18 team. And I was actually, that was probably the best year that I've ever had in football before mm-hmm. I came to the US. And then at that point, they were offering me a first team contract, which would have been. I don't know if you, I would have got paid. It would have been very little though. I don't know if it would have been, if you could call it professional, but that was when the whole scholarship thing came up.
1: Yeah, so real quick, did you um, did you play any other sports car up? No, I mean,
0: I was terrible at everything else. Was, <laughs> and that's the biggest thing about like, Europeans and Americans like yourself. Like, I'm sure you can play baseball. You did play baseball actually as well, didn't
1: you? Yeah, for my first year I did, yeah.
0: So like, so Americans are very well-rounded. And can play multiple sports whereas like myself and a lot of people in europe just stick to one and sort of try and specialize at it
1: mm. and were you on the same club team or club organization from age seven all the way up until i guess what was it 16 when you yeah. signed okay
0: all the way up to 16 and because like i'm come from a working class irish family like we didn't have money my dad worked at the weekend so traveling wasn't really an option there was a lot of teams in belfast and the surrounding area that were trying to sign me from a younger age but i just couldn't make it happen transport wise
1: Mm. and that's another thing that i know is different between the states and europe that you so were you playing with the same friends and teammates and coaching system throughout that whole time
0: that that whole time yes. so pretty much like that was my teammates my mates outside of football I spent so much time with them we all started drinking together when we were like 12 and like we just had we had like a bond you've been on a team yourself you obviously know but the bond was just it was mental mate we were just going out and having fun every Saturday that's whenever we played our games it just seemed like there was no pressure on us we were just going out with your mates and playing a game of football
1: yeah and you you see the kind of different cultures show up in the NBA which obviously I'm most familiar with with The difference between European players and US players, European players tend to be, not always, but on average, I think they're more team oriented. Um, They play in a more of a collaborative system growing up. And I think that is because, at least in part, because they play on the same club team their whole life and they play all kinds of positions and they share the ball, whereas in the US you play... In AAU circuits and you show up with different teammates and elite teams and travel teams and maybe I'm oversimplifying that but I've noticed that cultural difference in basketball and it might be the same in soccer
0: yeah it's a much more complex process but like all my teammates are same, maybe about 15 to 17 of us in our team mm-hmm. and we all lived within 10 minutes of each other wow Took me took me five minutes to get the train, training. The furthest we would have to travel for matches was like 20 or 30 minutes, whereas I know loads of Americans that would travel like an hour and 30 minutes to go to training. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? That is absolutely mental. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> so what made you want to play in the U.S., and when did you decide that you wanted to come to the U.S.?
0: So I actually had no plans at all to come to America to play football. Mm. I remember we had... I was... I would have been 17 at the time. I was in my last year of high school. And we had a substitute teacher that would come in like once a month, if even. And I remember he came in one time and said to me that if he could set up, would I go and play in America? And I kind of thought at first it was a bit of a piss tech, like he was joking around. Mm. And then I was like, yeah, if you can make it happen. And he knew Tony McCall, the Regis uh, men's soccer head coach. Mm. And so he would reached out to him, mentioned me. And this is when it all started taking off. And mm. so when I, I was playing for Glen Torn at the time, and we had a cup final coming up against Ballymena, which is the town that Tony's from. And so he, he sent his brother to come and watch me play. And I think we actually lost 2-1 that night, but I scored and had a pretty good game. And then I got offered the scholarship, and I was just like, yeah, I'm doing it. I went and told my mum and dad, I was like, I'm going to America. And they were just kind of like, what? Like, thought I was joking around. Mm-hmm. And this, happ- this all went... this all happened in the space between March and then I left in August, August 6th or August 8th.
1: Hmm. Wow. And um, did your parents get to come see you at all in the States, come watch you play? The only
0: only time they came out was from graduation. Okay. Uh, There was no games or anything on at that point so it kind of it just felt bad timing i mean they came for a week and it rained the whole week <laughs> <laughs> colorado it barely rains when it rains it pours obviously but the week they were there it rained every single day it was wow. a
1: yeah that's that's unlucky did you <laughs> so they were i'm sure watching you on the streams and stuff though um as you played
0: yeah they got yeah. regis though regis doesn't have sort of the technology it had now some of our games were streamed but not to the extent that they that's right it
1: yeah it really took so off I just,
0: yeah i would just be and because of the time difference as well it never really worked out right so i would just keep them they would always be checking in to see how i'd done but i still even to last day maybe, i still don't think they realized sort of what i achieved until they came out from a graduation because i won and
1: then they saw the celebrity the, the canvas celebrity <laughs> yeah, my, my, mom, my mom was like how do you know all these good looking girls
0: <laughs> i was like no comment no comment <laughs>
1: so you didn't consider any other schools it was just you got the offer from regis and you signed the papers
0: yeah mate, i couldn't even have told you what regis looked like before i was coming wow and that's why i've always been like that mate i'm just like if i get a chance at something i'm just like fuck it go for it yeah and so not that i had any regrets at regis or that but if i could have do things a little differently i maybe would have liked to have like two years at regis and then go to a bigger school or something but at the same time I've always been really, really loyal to my teams, and yeah. I think that maybe that maybe hindered me a little bit in my younger days. So because Tony, because Du actually, Du wanted me to transfer to them because uh-huh. I worked camps with a few of their players and they were trying to push it through. But I just I would never have done that. Tony gave me the opportunity, so I wasn't going to, you know, stab in the back or move on.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because obviously it turned out that it was such a steal for Regis to get you because you were you know one of the best players in the country. And also, uh, lucky that you didn't land in some bumfuck town somewhere. You got a really cool place in Denver, so that was lucky too.
0: Yeah, The location was unbelievable. I just couldn't believe it. What, we were like 10 minutes from downtown. Yeah. Small school. That That's what I mean. Sorry, not that Like I just maybe wish I had like, a bigger experience, but we definitely made the most of Regis, didn't we, for being a small school?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we did. It has its advantages too, to be in a small situation like that. Yeah. So... What did you? How did it feel when you first showed up to camf- campus? Did you feel confident, nervous, homesick? I know you redshirted your first year, so what was that first year like?
0: Yeah, mate. Like when I got there, because I knew nothing about altitude or anything like that. And so when I landed, there was a couple of players there to pick me up, and I didn't know this at the, or nobody told me at the time. But I was only supposed to do like half of the training because the altitude's so bad. Mm. And I remember nobody told me, so I ended up doing the full session. And mate, by the end of it, I was. Blowing like I was completely fucked, and so <laughs> obviously I'd been putting in. I'd been putting in the training beforehand, and I was just like, "There's something not right here." Like I've been training my ass off, and then got here, and my fitness was terrible. Yeah. But then after two weeks, I caught up. But initially, I was just like overwhelmed. Hmm. Like first time on a university campus in a new place, bunch of new teammates. Nobody could understand a word I was saying for the first few weeks. <laughs> so like it was somewhat, f- and then. Like I said before, I came off probably my best season in football to date at that point. Mm. And then this it was pre-season, I'd been starting, It still wasn't cleared. And I was like, what is going on here? And then, because I was her first international player. And so still hadn't been cleared an english kid came in all of a sudden he get cleared and i was starting to get a bit frustrated then as well i was like what the fuck is going on like he and just so what
1: what was the hold up why weren't you cleared
0: it was to do with transcripts so i'd got on my transcripts in mm. on time but they they up more and i was like there's literally nothing more that i can get for you yeah and so season there was two i remember it was like two weeks before season still not cleared and i was i just didn't know what to expect like if i was going to play or if i wasn't and then the season started and Tony spoke to me about redshirting. And, and at first, I was just, I didn't really like the sound of it because I didn't really come out there for school, mate. I hated at school. Mm. And so I was there for football. And then because I couldn't play that, I, I kind of took a bit of time and thought about it. And I was like, gives me a year to get into, like, get ahead in school, kind of get acclimated to the whole situation, the whole new environment. And uh, then I partied like a madman, mate. I literally was just like a student. The, i still had to show up for training mate. but i was showing up you know the crack flip sick i was showing up hungover still drunk like just pushing through it but then i feel like that just made me even hungrier for a like actual freshman year
1: yeah and so your freshman your true freshman season your first year as a player what was that like in your first time being on the field because the just to Give the listeners some context. We're going to go into all of your accolades and successes, but you made quite a jump between your freshman and sophomore year statistically. So what was that first year like, yeah. getting your feet under you?
0: Freshman year, mate, I think I just kind of overdone it, especially in preseason. I knew that I was a big recruit. People were going to be taking notice, so I felt like i have done way too much in preseason. I actually pulled my hip flexor in mm-hmm. our last game, in our last preseason game and just carried that through the season, I just played through it a lot of the time, so I wasn't ever 100% fit, and I, f- I think I had five goals, five goals and three assists, which was, like, f- for my own personal standards, it was shocking, I was embarrassed by it, mm. I thought I played, I played okay at times, I hit the post and crossbar a lot, but at the end of that season, I was just so fucking pissed off, mate, and I was just like, what am I doing here, I've been brought over here, as a big time recruit, I've got five goals, three assists, like, just not good enough
1: and was was the coaching staff disappointed in you after that season or did what was the vibe like oh in terms my god mate. like tony tony knew that he could speak
0: to me in an aggressive tone or in ways that you can't really anymore like because of the background i had he knew he could get away get away with saying certain things and being a bit over the top because if he let a fire under my arse he knew he would get a reaction from it mm-hmm. and so he brought me in I had been missing class, been fucking about as usual. uh, He was like, I was sitting across the table from him and he was like, see these size nine and a half feet? He's like, I'll shove them so far up your (laughs) eye and tell me me how you'd pay for my flights home, this and that. And I was just sitting there like bright red face, just knew I couldn't say anything. And he was like, well, don't worry about it anyway, because next year I'm going to bring in a striker. So you're probably not going to play much anyway. Jesus. Uh, i was just like we'll fucking see about that
1: (laughs) tony if you hear this i apologize but yeah we're giving the we're giving the real shit here uh what he knows he knows (laughs) what uh so what do were you going home to train what was your training like especially after that freshman year when you were pissed off and you wanted to come back strong
0: yeah freshman year i uh i went home for the summer always kind of went home the first two years i believe Uh Because it was just like I was just dying to get home at that point. Went home, still had the groin or the hip flexor issue, so I rested up for a bit and then hit the ground running with training. I just knew, I knew I was going to come in. I was always mentally stronger than everybody, and I I feel like I was technically better too. But I always, always, always worked harder than everybody as well. Mm -hmm. So I knew that as long as I was putting in the work, I was going to get the reward for it. Whereas freshman year, I just think. I was kind of a bit not too cocky because it was never really like that. I kind of just expected a bit too much from myself too soon Mm -hmm. and and overdone it. Whereas the second year I was like, pressure's on now. I, I had a year to get acclimated. I had my first season, which I was shite. And then I was like, there's no room for error anymore. And I think that pressure just like elevated me big time.
1: Yeah. So sophomore season, you exploded All-American second team, first team all-region, first team all-RMAC. You guys won the regular season RMAC championship and played in the NCAA tournament. And correct me if I'm getting into that wrong. It's hard to keep track of all your accolades. I was on the internet today. (laughs) Uh, But um, what was the biggest difference between freshman and sophomore year in terms of your mindset on the field? How did you feel differently? Were you doing any think differently to prepare for games was your training or rest or habits partying different what what was the biggest shift between freshman and sophomore year
0: the biggest shift was that instead of like comparing myself to everybody else and trying to be better trying to break the goals record like all my personal goals but like i just switched from trying to compete against everybody to just competing against myself Mm. and i knew that way like every day when i showed up and it was me against me i knew that i would take no days off then Whereas, if I come in and I'm trying to be better than fucking Billy at training and Billy doesn't show up that day, I'm not really doing myself <laughs> justice. Yeah. So, for me, it was just a switch from trying to be better than everybody to just be better than myself than what I was the day before. And, like yeah. I said, I was always, always was mentally stronger than a lot of people. But I just think switching from like being a bit selfish and thinking about my own personal goals to switching to the team came first. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest factor training ways and partying ways, nothing really, nothing really changed. <laughs> it's still like I feel, I feel like that balance is important, but I think I overdone the partying side of things for sure.
1: <laughs> so did you? So you had that amazing season. What were the co- what was coach like during that year? Was he keeping the pressure on you, trying to keep your head level, or was he happy with you? What was that like? He
0: then? just at that point he knew like. Because he, he knew me better than anybody. He, he was an absolutely brilliant coach. A low way get into it a lot of times and said some nasty things to each other at times too. Like he always got the best out of me. And when i done well, he gave me a pat on the back for it. And if I didn't do so well, he would let me know. But yeah. just, uh, he kind of let me just go and do my own thing. Okay. Like sat back. That's what he always said. I've spoke to him before. I was out in Denver in September and I was at his house and he was like, you know, like I just never had to coach you. He was like, once we got that, first year out of the way it was like i just had to let you go and play he was like and it wasn't just me we had a team where he could just put the foundations in and just let us go free from yeah so we would literally go out. obviously we had our formation and tactics and this and that but he was just like go out and play football
1: yeah and how far did you get in the tournament that year so we got to
0: the sweet 16 okay. we went on so we were undefeated the whole the regular season and then we lost in the Armagh tournament final. That was our first loss. Mm-hmm. And then we got a buy into the Sweet 16 of Nationals. And we had one of our center, starting centre-backs, who was an absolute animal, Mike Sheehan, he had uh, some like heart condition that turned out to be like nothing. So he couldn't play that game. And we played our, one of our centre midfielders at centre-back. And it was a really tough competitive game, but we made one mistake and lost 1-0 for it.
1: Mm, okay. And then moving to your junior season, another awesome year for you, All-American, All-Conference, All-Region, um, and you guys made the tournament again. So did you get knocked off in the, in the RMAC tournament again that season?
0: Yeah, same thing again. But we didn't go undefeated in the regular season then. I never won an RMAC tournament. I won the regular season twice, right, back-to-back, but never won a tournament. We got to quite a few finals and then got to the Sweet 16 that year and... We won in overtime. Big Mark Kelly scored a class goal. Everybody was going mental. But in over or just before the end of regular time, I uh, broke my orbital. I remember you I broke your elbow?
1: My oh. orbital,
0: my cheekbone. Oh, oh wow. And so they're, they're defending the ball, and I can run the cross, and his follow-through caught me on the cheekbone. And I remember going down. He helped me straight back up. But every time I got the ball after that, I just kept dribbling until I lost it because mm. it was concussed. Mm. And then... Once end of regular time happened, our trainer was like, he's not going back in. And I was like, I'm fucking going back in. <laughs> and then obviously he cannot argue with the trainer. So he, I couldn't go in and overtime. And then I went straight to the hospital.
1: Wow. And that was, sorry, you lost that game or won that game? We won that
0: game. And then we got, that was us to the elite, to the elite eight, yep. the mm-hmm. furthest we've ever been in program history. And I couldn't even play.
1: Oh, no, I didn't even know that. That's awful.
0: Yeah, yeah brutal. Yeah. <laughs> We got beat 5-0. We just didn't show up. But then there was just a lot going on. And I feel like I was out. One of our other, Big Mark Kelly, he had a hamstring issue. Mm. We made made a couple of mistakes earlier on, but we just had a mountain to climb from there on.
1: Yeah, that's still amazing to make it to the Elite Eight. Really special season. So I'll go through some of your other accolades. So senior year, you were All-American again. Um, Only player in Regis history, if I'm not mistaken, to be – South Central Region Player of the Year, which is nuts. Oh, I think so. And then broke the Regis record, and you still hold these records for goals in a career, points in a career, which I just found out today is goals plus assists. I'm just a ignorant American about soccer, so forgive me. For <laughs> <that. laughs> these
0: Americans love your stats. And, you the
1: <laughs> and then game-winning goals, 18, and as we already spoke about, two tournament appearances. So... We've already kind of touched on this, but you had so I I think your junior season was my freshman year. Yep. And so and you were close with the basketball team and we all hung out and you had this kind of confidence and swagger and you really enjoyed yourself. And it seemed like there was this attitude that blended between social settings and competition and training. And there were many times where I saw you you know one of the wildest people at the party and then i'd show up to the gym and you're already there fucking killing it in the weight room and then i'd go watch your games and you'd be out like talking shit and you're a very like physical and aggressive player so i just want to ask you about that kind of attitude that you took to college is that something that you had always had is that something that you developed and how did that serve you as a player in college
0: yeah i just well the thing with like hanging out with the basketball lads and that too, like, and this is going a bit off topic, but whenever I was moving out, I was leaving home, and one of my mates actually played, he played in England when he was younger, was saying to me, like, make sure you get friends away from the soccer team. Mm. So, like, I felt like that was super important. I me mean, hanging around with you lads, like, I didn't really give a fuck about any of the accolades or All American or any of that shit. I just was there to have a good time and put in the work and reap the rewards for that. But uh, just out the parties and that was. I mean, you either make the most of it or you don't, and I definitely did. Like, I I can't remember probably ninety percent of the Regis parties. And like yeah. walking through campus, one of your things you were saying about like confidence and you know on campus and on the field, but I just didn't give a shit about it and like any of that stuff. I didn't care what anybody thought, and if I did go back, I probably would milk some of the stuff a little bit, a little bit more than what I did, because was I'm quite shy. You might not believe this, and a lot of people don't, but I'm quite shy to a certain extent until I get a few drinks in me and so <laughs> a lot of that stuff i would rather just like if i get my words i would rather nothing be said about it and just get on with it
1: mm, interesting yeah uh, i noticed that in some of the banquets when it was like god marty getting every award and you looked a little bit timid going up there <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no just like i was in america at an, an unbelievable opportunity so i just i tried to make the most of my experience whether it be training partying I would say school but I'd be lying about that <laughs> and like just all the good stuff mate. honestly like I felt like trying to get the balance between you know we were training every day we had one day off so Monday was the day off so Sunday was like our big party night
1: soccer Sunday yeah so,
0: yeah mate. so it was always just about finding a balance to because I was so zoned in with a football that Whenever I stepped away from it, I had to just try and forget about it because, like you said, when I when I step out on the pitch, I, I can be an abs- I can be the nicest guy yeah. in the world or I can be an absolute dick. It just depends what way you got me that day. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did have that like split personality between when I was playing and when I wasn't playing. But yeah. I feel like you need that. You need to have that that side of you if you want to do really well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I just remember my own experience because that your junior season, was my. F- I guess my freshman, your senior season was my sophomore and that I'm pretty sure that's right. Anyway, one of the years that you were absolutely crushing it, I was a sophomore having my toughest year, both with my confidence and I wasn't getting playing time and I ended up recovering later. But in that season, I remember some of the prescription for how you get your confidence back or how you gain playing time is to make sacrifices. And, you know, you should sacrifice the party to go get extra shots up and you should you know get, get more sleep and do all these things and so I remember some I had some vivid memories of being like trying to do that stuff like I'd skip parties and I would do the right thing and I would stay inside and I'd still show up and be kind of nervous and I wouldn't play well and then I'd see you like I'd always come back to the parties eventually of course because I'd like well fuck it if I'm, not, <laughs> if, I'm not, if I'm not playing well I might as well party and so I'd see you at the parties like fucked up and then the next day or like you know you wouldn't do it the night before a game but like later in the week you'd be at, I'd watch your game and you'd just be absolutely murdering. And I'm just like, well, what, like, what is this advice that I'm getting from the counselors of like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't drink if you want to play well. When some of the, you know, same thing on the basketball team, some of the more confident players, it's almost like there's a correlation between a little bit of that. Like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to enjoy myself attitude and then swagger and confidence on the field. But I also think that you can get some of the Allen Iverson dynamic where like, Alan Iverson was able to party at strip clubs and still score thirty, but his teammates tried to follow him and they couldn't do that, and the team suffered for it. So, and that's you, it. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: I think like sorry, I, don't know. I think a big part of that's like the switching off thing that I talked about. Whenever it was time for training, I showed up and got, like gave a hundred percent, but mm-hmm. I stepped away then and I done my partying and whatnot and had a good time, and then when I came back to the football, I forgot about all that stuff and then switched back into the soccer side of things. So. Yeah. But I've always, mate, I've I went through spells like since Regis where it, I used to not think I was a confidence player at all, but everybody is. And like, it's so hard to go out of it, mate, because once you're in your own head, yeah, it's it's really, really hard to go out of. And that's kind of, this was towards the end of my playing career.
1: Yeah. And
0: then from then on, like, I stopped kind of looking, we'll get into that in more detail, but I like stopped looking forward to games and shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move on to your. Pro in a minute, but I have a couple more questions to ask. First, I'm curious. The guy said, "Who it was your friend who said that you should have friends outside of the soccer team?" That stuck with me for some reason. Why? Why did you think he gave you that advice? And what do you think that did? Because for you? he so
0: he was he went over to on trial with West Brom, which is a they're in a championship now in England, second tier, but they were in the Premiership at the time. He went over and he was only 16, he was doing his scholarship year, so they would go train with the lads, everybody would go with their families and he would go back and stay with his host mum. Mm. And so he was he was homesick from the get-go and kind of felt like an outsider. And so that's thats what stuck with me the most. He was just saying that I'll be around the team all the time, but make sure you've got that balance between teammates, your other friends, and just like, just so you have that kind of support and balance. Yeah, And I'm not fully invested in team where i'm relying on them all the time so i loved going to training and then getting away and then going and hanging out with you boys yeah
1: yeah well, Just feel
0: like he, he he got homesick and so that was the big factor he just felt like isolated he felt like he was just attached to the team all the time yeah. whereas he didn't have like any other side friends whenever they went and hung out with their families
1: yeah it's interesting you say that and i, I think that that is i hadn't heard that specific advice before but i think it makes sense it's And I, I experienced this, too, when I developed some interest outside of basketball, whether it was, you know, math or meditation or hiking or whatever it was. And I had, and I met some people outside the team. It did take kind of the pressure off and it was a way to kind of escape the team dynamic where you could really let your mind rest away from your sport. Um, so I think that's interesting and good advice.
0: Yeah, you put it well, just like getting that escape so that, that whenever I can back. The train, again, I was fully focused. I was refreshed and just yeah. ready to stop in again.
1: Yeah. And how did you mentally prepare for competition? Did you have any rituals or music or breathing or visualization? Did you do anything specific before games?
0: I always listened to the same playlist music. It was like Kendrick Lamar. I had like a wee mixture of rap and house music. And I remember because we would get changed in the athlete weight room, and I would have the same playlist that I would play on the way out to the pitch. Mm. And I would just always tell myself, that I'm, you know, I'm, my touch is going to be good. I'm going to score. Goal. I'm going to get chances. When I get chances, I'm going to score. The defenders aren't going to be able to handle me. Like mm. I just talk myself up the whole way to the pitch. But in terms of like a ritual, I never really had anything like that. Because I know guys that put their left sop on first, then the right, then the left, bit, <laughs> like stuff like that. But like if you fuck, if you mess up one of them, you straight away you're in your head, you know. <laughs> so it felt like if I had a set pattern, yeah, every game day, and I messed up part of it, then it would just mess up my whole mental. Yeah. so it was just like I nah, just just get ready, give myself a wee pep talk, and then away away I go.
1: Yeah, and so I I know, I know nothing about soccer, but just from watching, it seems like especially somebody in your position who is a scorer, I guess they call it a striker, and you have expectations to score a lot to help your team win. You're also, you know, setting records with with different goals scored. I, I can imagine that because soccer games are so long and low scoring, that you can have long chunks of time where you're not putting the ball in the net. And I could imagine that could get frustrating. How? What was that like when you were struggling to put the ball in the net? Maybe you had some close misses. And it just wasn't going your way. How did you stay locked in during those stretches so that you could be ready when you got your opportunity?
0: I actually like those wee moments of the game where I drift off. Like uh, the defenders think I'm switched off for a while, so I'll just like dr- if the ball's building up the left side, I'll just drift over on the right, and they're like, "Oh, we don't have to worry about him." And then mm-hmm. I'll build the run back up in from that from that side. And then in terms of like missing chances and that, I remember a coach told me when I was younger, it was like like a blackboard. So if I miss a chance. Just like wipe it off and on to the next one, and so yeah. when I missed a good chance, I was even more eager to get another chance to make it right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And is that but, some- yeah, just stuff like that? Because there's obviously, like you said, there's long periods where, you know, the play is just building up and we're not getting opportunities, but that's just part of the game. I love playing little mind games in the middle of a, of a game.
1: Mm. And is that something that you got better at throughout your career? Were there points in your youth or growing up that you? would carry around missed opportunities or mistakes
0: oh yeah but it was more so whenever i went through that wee spell where i was lacking confidence because i didn't want another chance then whereas before i missed one i'm like give me the fucking ball again mm. whereas like the past few couple two or three years maybe of playing, my last couple of years like i would miss a chance and then i would kind of shy away from it mm. from getting the ball again
1: yeah that's a great way to put it i remember that clearly from baseball if i was playing infield And I booted a ball or made an error. The real test of your own mind in that moment is okay, do you, do you desperately want another ground ball so you can make up for it? Or are you saying like, oh, don't hit it to me again? (laughs) Because (laughs) that's really the test. So, um, what about with training? Is there anything that you emphasize in your training that you think gave you an advantage over other players? Or conversely, is there anything that you think other people spend too much time emphasizing or worrying about? Did you have any unique? training styles or regiments that you think might be a useful tip tip or trick no well I put in a lot of hard work from a young age
0: and then it just kind of came to fruition as I got older Mm -hmm. and the biggest thing probably that I switched at Regis was competing against myself every day Mm -hmm. like that was massive for me because then like I said to you before like I just wouldn't take any days off then because I'm Mm -hmm. trying to get better and better than I was the day before and I'd done a lot of individual training too like I would have and um, some of my teammates would vouch for this like I would always work on dribbling down the left little step over cut inside and putting the ball in the far corner and mm. I've done that so many times like just practicing that it just became like natural to me mm. and that's probably my best finish but mate just competing against yourself because that brings everybody else up too because although I'm indirectly I'm competing against them too but because I'm focusing on myself and trying to get better every day people around you notice that and so they start picking up on that habit too if they want it as bad as you
1: yeah i think there was a quote i think it was jordan peterson who said uh compare yourself to who you were yesterday not to somebody else not to who somebody else is today i thought that oh, was... that's one of the
0: 12 rules of life isn't that i've got that we i've got that we took the same here actually. Nice.
1: yeah <laughs> i think that's great um what about conditioning? I'm always amazed at the kind of condition that soccer players or football players are in. What does your conditioning program look like in the off season? Are you doing a lot of distance running or is it really just conditioning by playing a lot? I'm always curious about how a soccer player trains.
0: Yeah, it's a balance because in in the pre preseason phase, you're kind of doing your own stuff. So I would mix it up. I would maybe I didn't like running more than like three or three miles or that, mate. I just fucking hated it. <laughs> and so one day, one day would maybe be like a quick three three mile run, and then the next day would be a lot of sharp, sharp stuff. But mate, soccer and I'm sure, it's probably the same with basketball too. But there's no other way of getting match fitness than playing matches. Obviously, doing the training outside. Can set you up in good stead for that, but the only way to get match fits is by playing matches, and so um, pre-season was massive. Like the first couple of games in preseason would always be horrible. But mm. my thing again, is that I was mentally, I was willing to push myself to like scary places sometimes. So whenever I was, we were doing fitness, and I'm literally almost puking. I would just keep going.
1: Mm, yeah, <laughs>
0: just keep going. I remember we were doing the. Two mile, we had to do it in under 12 minutes and for like the last three or four minutes i'm literally gagging the whole way but i would just keep going yeah so other people as soon as they get under that kind of once they're uncomfortable they're, they just tap out
1: yeah so in those moments where you're totally exhausted and in a lot of pain what are you doing to keep going is it as simple as just telling yourself not to stop is it something that you just had to practice throughout your whole life? What do you attribute your ability yeah, to with champagne?
0: Like, like I'm going to be so much more pissed off if I quit than if I push myself for another... Like, If we're doing... like For that two miles in 12 minutes, I remember getting to around nine, and I was like, I quit and get fucking... And I hate myself, or else I just push through it for three minutes and then feel good about it. And yeah. it just became habit. I just wanted to, I just wanted to always not when because I was never I was wasn't always the fittest I was always up there but I just was willing to push myself to really uncomfortable places because I knew that if I wanted to achieve my goals I would have to be able and willing to do that yeah It's pretty sick, mate. When I look back at it, even now, like when I go for runs here, I come in the door and I'm almost being sick. And my roommate's like, "What are you doing?" He was like, "That's how you were at Regis," because Lou played with me at Regis, Mm. and I'm like, "Yeah, mate, that's just how I am." Like once I start competing, because it's always me against me, I can never really fucking switch it off.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I like what you said about um, getting into game shape requires that you play games or play matches. Uh, I remember I was in really good cardio shape playing a ton of basketball and running I was doing distance running and I was in really good shape getting ready to come back to Regis and one thing that showed me that there's just different kinds of endurances was I went backpacking with my little brother and he was just kind of in high school like not really training that much and partying and doing all this stuff but he is way into backpacking and he was a guide so he'd like go take people on big backpacking trips and he just absolutely torched me on this backpacking trip. He'd be, I'd be like, we, c- we cannot go two more miles. I am like dying. And he would just be like, no, like the camp's up here. And then we'd get there and he'd be like hanging the bear food and prepping. And I'd just be like laying there with like my legs up a tree. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that there are different kinds of endurances. Because in that very moment, I was in super good basketball shape. And I noticed that too a little bit like,
0: specific.
1: yeah, I could run as many suicides as I wanted, but still it wasn't the same as like, you know, sprinting up the court and uh, like, are you know, playing really hard defense, the possession of really hard defense, and then sprinting up the wing and having my legs underneath me for a three. It's just a very specific endurance that you have to train by playing a lot. And I always appreciated coaches who con- conditioned in that way of having us, of <coughs> having us actually play. So
0: yeah, Tony, Tony, Tony ran us a lot. He was quite old fashioned in that sense. Now everything's all science and data. And like if, everybody's got the heart monitor on so if you're training too hard you can be pulled out of training whereas like some of the training we done was
1: borderline <laughs> illegal <laughs> it's like a torture yeah are they wearing yeah, are yeah. they wearing heart monitors at regis i don't think they would be uh, okay i That's don't think so they weren't when
0: i was there but yeah i just know like some programs now yeah like with all the new technology do stuff like that and it's kind of it's good and bad like i said like if you've been working too hard that week they can pull you from training when nobody wants that you know right
1: all right so what let's talk about your transition into professional soccer so when did you get your first contract after Regis
0: so I had finished my senior year in 2014 the fall and then January 2015 I signed with the Colorado Springs switchbacks and Colorado Springs obviously
1: mm. and What was it like? When did you first start playing? So you didn't graduate until May that year, right? Twenty. Yeah. So I was. I was. I had like some classes that were
0: online, and then some I had to show up to. But the teachers were quite good about that. But I would travel from Denver down to Colorado Springs most days.
1: Okay. And what was it like when you first started playing for them? Was the competition intimidating, or did you feel just like yourself showing up there? What was the first? Your first impression, like... yeah, it,
0: was, it wasn't intimidating. I was looking forward to it, I was, I was ready for it, that's for sure. But uh, the biggest thing was that I went from being like the main man to just another player, mm-hmm. but that didn't really phase me either. I still had like that confidence about me, but yeah, uh, yeah that was the biggest thing, mate. You're just now, now there's some players better than you, some that are worse. But you, uh, I was in my rookie year too. There were some guys that had been in the league for 10 years at that point, yeah, and so much my first year going into that I just wanted to be a sponge and soak up everything that I possibly could and I'd, I wanted to play all the time but I knew it wasn't going to happen and so my f- approach to it was just to go in and learn as much as I possibly can and then try and push on push on from that first rookie year.
1: So how much did you play that season?
0: So my, I, I didn't play a lot I had a f- one or two starts and then a lot would have been off the bench. But still, I think I scored five goals. Two were in the cup and then three in the mm. league, which wasn't great, wasn't what my goals were. But in terms of game time, uh, I feel like every time I came on, I lifted the level, early intensity. Like, I always improved the team and mm-hmm. done what was asked of me. Yeah. But like I said, I, I didn't play. I went from being like playing pretty much every minute at Regis to coming off the bench a lot, which was hard to get used to. But I knew my place at the same time.
1: Yeah, and then did you carry that momentum of the success you had as a rookie into your second year? What was that second year like? Yeah,
0: my second year kind of took off. I uh, was starting, doing really well. I think I'd scored five in the first 10 games. I scored eight that season. But Mm -hmm. uh, I remember there was a point where I was just running myself into the ground, mate, in matches. I would literally be pressing the whole time, and then I would always come off with like the last 20 because I'd, I'd pretty much used up all my energy. So mm. then I started being a bit more tactical and picking and choosing when I would press, when I would make my runs, and that kind of turned around and hurt me because my coach pulled me and was just saying, "Yeah, like I feel like you've gotten comfortable, you've gotten a little complacent," which I completely disagreed with. Mm. And so then I was out of the team for a bit, came back in, done well again, finished the season off quite well.
1: Mm.
0: And I, I would have, if I played a lot, I would have, I would have scored a lot more goals and all that for sure, but. Again, I was like, "It's only your second year. Like, don't be expecting too much too soon. Just do what's asked of you. Have a good attitude,
1: good mindset." Mm. And was that? I'm trying to get the timeline right. Was that your last time with the switchbacks, or did you play another year?
0: No. So I was. I had signed with an agent because my second year was coming to an end, and they had offered me a two-year guaranteed contract. And so I'd signed with this agent, and he was like, "Look." You've been there for two years, had a really good second year, still kind of get messed about a little bit. It was like, you've got a European passport. He encouraged me to go home. He he spoke to the switchbacks, turned down the contract, encouraged me to go home and said that he would set something up in Europe. And so I'd done all that and went home, and he done nothing. Really? He like pretty much fucked me over. And then I'd been training with the local, my local team just to stay fit and I actually got injured, I pulled my hamstring, and he, uh, I set up myself, remember Thor? Yeah. So he he was playing in Iceland for a professional team, and I, he wanted me to go over and train with those guys, and so I'd done that, but I'd injured myself the week before, and I was just like, it's okay, my fitness is good, I'll just take a week off and go over there and start training, hopefully everyone's good, and we play, I played in a friendly and I remember I was running through on goal one-on-one with the keeper and I felt my hamstring go again. So uh bit of bad luck there. Obviously they weren't going to sign me while I was injured. So I came home. That was when the agent reached out to me again again, and was like, what's going on? Like, haven't heard from you in a while. And I was like, I'm supposed to fucking hear from you. <laughs> you know what I mean? he, he turned down my contract. It was two years guaranteed. <clears throat> And then I came home and he'd done nothing for me. And he was like, "When? how soon can you get out to Finland? And he was like, they want you out in three days. And I was like, well, I've been out. And because I, I'd pulled my hamstring twice in two weeks. So I was out for two months then at that point and had done no training. And I was just like, fuck it, I'll just go and see how it goes. And I got over there. And So there's Premier Division, First Division, Second Division. So And he told me it was Second Division, but I didn't realize there was a Premier. So I thought I was going over to play in the second highest league. And when I got there, everything was just pretty amateur. Like, if I'm going to be playing away from home, it has to be a better standard or else I would just stay at home, you know?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so went over there, went to Finland. That didn't work out because I didn't want to play at that level. And I came home and signed for a team in the Irish Premier League.
1: That's the the Rangers, the Carrick Rangers? Carrick Rangers, yeah, yeah,
0: Carrick Rangers. And made it really good standard, like really physical... I thought it would suit me down to a T, but I've got too many distractions back home. Mm. I was out drinking, partying, and at that at that level, you just you've got to take it seriously. It's not college anymore, you know. Yeah. And so I just didn't do myself any justice. Probably the worst, worst that I've ever played in such a long. Well, I was there for six months, and like played really poor. Me, it just wasn't myself. Like mm. wasn't doing the right things. Whenever I put in the work. During the week and that, I walk into a game full of confidence knowing that I've done everything right. And I just wasn't doing that. Mm-hmm. And then, in this this was like November time, the switchbacks reached back out to me. And I was quite taken aback by it because I'd been playing some terrible football. And they offered me a new contract and more money than the last one. And I was like, you know what? I didn't have a great experience, but I'll go back, maybe clean slate and see how everything goes for the my second spell. And when I got back out, I started the second game and pulled my hip flexor. Mm. And so I was out for two months then, and it was just a really frustrating time. But I just tried to be patient, um, done the rehab, came back against Las Vegas Lights, and I was on the pitch for two minutes, and I get my first ever red card. <laughs> <laughs> well, <well, well>, How did <laughs> you get a red card? I was like, for fuck's sake, like, just <laughs> no luck. So I, I literally came on, we had a throw him? And the defender was right up my back, like right under me. And our guy threw it in and I flicked it on. But as I flicked it on, my elbows were up. And he, he came into my elbow. I didn't elbow him. His head caught my elbow. The play developed. I didn't know anything had happened at this point. The play developed. One of our guys took a shot. The same guy tried to block it. And it went out for a corner. And, mate, he just came running for me. Blood all over his face because my elbow had like split his eye open. And he came running over, grabbed my shirt. I grabbed his arm, and he, he, like, ripped my shirt. It was kind of a bit of pushing back and forth. The referee didn't even see it, and then come over and gave me a straight red.
1: Because all the blood, probably. Yeah, (laughs) because all
0: the blood. He seen the blood, and then all the pushing and shoving, and he was just like, all the Las Vegas fans were going mental, mate. And he just turned around (laughs) and gave me a red card, and I was like, fuck you. Like, I literally didn't even touch him. And so I was suspended. I think I just got, or no, I got two games because it was a straight red. Uh. And uh and then I was like, that's my season fucked. I'd been out injured for two months, came back, got a red card, I was like, that's me done. But whenever I come back from suspension, they started me away to Portland. And uh I got the ball and like just over the halfway line and just started running me and just ran past like four or five players and scored an absolute banger. Mm-hmm. And uh that was kind of I was like, right, happy days, that's me back on the right foot and then kind of got decent minutes towards, uh, for the rest of the season. There was only a few months left, and I scored a few goals, thought I'd done quite well. And then the switchbacks had an option for the next year, but they just got took over by the Rapids. And so all the interna- the Rapids wanted full control of the international spots. And so any, any foreign player that was on an option lost their contract or didn't get it right really so so then I was just like, ah, oh, fuck, that's that's uh, time for me to go home again. And so that was my second spell at home, and I got offered an opportunity to go out to New Zealand to play. Mm-hmm. And again, wasn't, it wasn't a great standard, but at this point I was just like, you know what that gets me away from home? I can go out and live in New Zealand for a bit. It'll be a good experience if anything else. And at this point, man, my heart just wasn't in it anymore. I just didn't really care. I remember I was saying earlier where I wasn't looking forward to games. Yeah. Whereas before like the night before games i couldn't sleep and dying for the match to come around and then at this point i just it became like a, a job pretty much where it never ever felt like that yeah so once it became a job that's when i was just like i don't know if this is for me anymore and remember do you remember lewis borrow
1: no so
0: he was an english lad that came to regis he was there for two years then he transferred to Saginaw Valley State University I
1: probably know i just yeah I can't remember
0: yeah yeah I think you maybe would and he played out here for two years and then became an assistant coach for two or three years and then the head coach left and they couldn't find a head coach and so he ended up getting the job and while I was out in New Zealand he called me and was like look I just got the head coaching job at Saginaw Valley he's like I want you to come be my assistant and we'll pay towards your MBA and he was like, take a couple of weeks, think about it. But straight away, I was just like, because even when I was playing, in the back of my mind, I'd always thought when my time was up, I would go and get a GA position and get my master's. Mm-hmm. So just the timing of all this was kind of perfect. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And then I, I left New Zealand in last last May and went home for a couple of months and then came out here last August and started coaching and doing my MBA.
1: Yeah. So on a backtrack just for a second so do you think that that, yeah, right. that decision to turn down that initial 2-year contract which your agent which your agent suggested that you do seemed like that put you in a kind of a spiral of not really finding a fit for a couple years and you had some injuries obviously the injuries you can't control but is that something that you think could have reshaped your professional career if had you taken that contract initially the guaranteed switchbacks contract
0: yeah, 100% mate. Like I, I definitely regret not taking that. And I think if I had took that and played for another two years, I could still be in the same position that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. So I could have played in two years and then this position still could have opened up and it could all work out the same, the same way. Mm-hmm. But again, at the same time, as much as I do regret it and I wish I'd have made my own decision, I got to go home for a prolonged period of time. I got to go to New Zealand for a while. So everything happens for a reason, but Just in the manner that that all happened and me getting fucked over and experiencing kind of getting fucked over at the switchbacks for a couple of years, I was just like, this isn't for me because once it went from college to pros and it being your job, it was a lot more stabbing in the back. Like every player was playing for themselves. Mm. Whereas college and my own mindset's about playing for the team and any individual stuff that comes with that, happy days, but the team always comes first. Yeah. And so all them experiences combined just kind of made me be like, yeah, this might not be for me anymore.
1: Yeah. And is, how has it been transitioning out of playing? Is, are you having a tough time giving it up or? No, yeah, it's relief? been
0: sweet. I don't fucking, I don't miss it at all, to be honest. Really? And it, again, it's because for a couple of years I've not been looking forward to game days and shit. Maybe yeah. it's the pressure. I just can't handle the pressure the way I used to, but uh, I don't miss it at all. I'm also really good at when I make a decision reinforcing it within myself that it was the right decision yeah and i feel like the time of all of this and just how it's happened until now i feel like i made i made a big boy decision
1: yeah well if you had an amazing career and you you impacted the game and so many teams in such a huge way so obviously you can be proud of everything you did um what are you pursuing now with your nba do you have any long-term goals are you are you able to channel some of that spirit on the soccer field into a career path do you have anything that are you thinking about coaching or business what what are you what's been running through your head right now? so
0: originally coming out here the the appeal was my mba i was like right i get an mba for i only pay 1500 a semester Mm -hmm. so i'll get my mba for six grand but he wants to come out and start at coaching and being the assistant coach suits me more because lewis's class at like you know speaking to everybody run sessions whereas i can get pinpoint a lot of stuff and specialise on specific points, especially with the strikers. Mm -hmm. So I feel like him being the head coach, me being the assistant, I can get a bit more involved with individuals, whereas he's got the bigger picture to look at. And then once I came and started doing this, I'm loving the coaching and I'm not as ecstatic about the NBA as what I originally was. Mm. But at the same time, I think I'm going to take the NBA route and try and get back to Denver, mate. I would love to move back to Denver try and get a big big boy job there we'd love to have you out in Denver that'd be sweet yeah so once I graduate in May and then with international students you can apply for an OPT which is a year work visa and mm-hmm. so I'm going to try and use that and reach out to a few connections that I have out there get a year working with a good company and work my ass off and then hopefully it can turn it they can like sponsor me for a H1B which is like a working visa that can turn into a green card eventually.
1: Nice. Yeah, I've got another buddy who I coached when I was doing my GA who's trying to stay in the States and he's going through that same process of trying to get a job or a master's program or something where he can stay in the US and then hopefully get that long term. Seems like kind of a stressful process just trying, you know, not really knowing. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's pretty difficult too, but I might just have to marry some American girl too. That can be an <laughs> <up> option. <to you. laughs> That's always an option. But yeah. no, I mate, mean, that's, that's my plan. My plan is to you know, use the connections that I have in Denver and try and go out there and uh, put my MBA to use and start making some, some good money.
1: Yeah. So g- given how amazing your career was, do you have any – I know you said you, you regretted not taking that two-year contract. Do you have any other regrets? Do you, do you think that if you were to do it all over again, you would change any of your – habits in terms of partying or training or you also said that you might have gone D1 midway through your career what if you were to do it all over again would you do differently
0: <laughs> well I was going to say you know about maybe cut down the partying but that's a big lie <laughs> it uh, I mean, honestly I wouldn't change too much of it because I really enjoyed it Regis really mm-hmm. absolutely loved it uh, the biggest regret is again turning down that contract like I said But um, and the D1 thing that was just me kind of you know thinking about what other avenues i could have took but at the same time i wouldn't change my regis experience at all i would have yeah. blacked out a little less so i could remember stuff but <laughs> other than that yeah, now nah, honestly i wouldn't change any of it I had a great time i had really good teammates i had great mates off the field like yourself done loads of things that i would never have done if i didn't make the decision to come to america
1: yeah definitely
0: i would well, have took c to be honest. Actually, uh, uh, once I got to the pro level I'd stopped well obviously we were training every day so I wasn't doing as much outside of that and so I feel like I kind of got a bit complacent in that sense whereas at Regis we'd be training and then I'd do my own training as well mm. when I got to the pros I kind of thought I'd made it and got a, bit, a little bit complacent in that sense but made some unbelievable memories with that too because every other week we'd be tr- flying to a, a different state yeah so like nights out with the lads, just mental stuff. Like mate, I even missed, I missed the team bus to the airport twice. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, our first, my first ever pro game was away to Austin, and mate, what a place, by the way. Oh my god, and <laughs> I, I met one of them. remember Andrew Pat Wheatley's mate. Yeah, yeah. I met him out there, and I'd been with him the whole night. It was like one o'clock in the morning, and I hadn't like chatted up any girls, anything like that. And I was like, Andrew, mate, I've seen you for. For too long I'm going to go speak to some women and this girl I spied it because it's full of bachelorette parties so I spied this girl bride-to-be and I went over and was like congratulations like when are you getting married blah 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 and she was like oh where are you from and I was like Ireland and she was like my friends are gonna love you and brought like brought all her uh, her party over and so yeah. I went back to their hotel and partied with them and as I was coming in to go to bed our captain was coming out to go to mat or go to church <laughs> and then I slept it like I woke up late and the bus had left and he obviously told that he'd seen me coming in as uh oh, no. as he was going out to church and so I had a few I had a few mental instances like that that probably didn't help my case but again <laughs> I, I wouldn't change the nail, but fuck it.
1: That's that, that accent, man. They they melt yeah. they, they melt for the accent, I swear. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> That's funny. Uh okay, you ready for some? rapid-fire questions to finish yeah go ahead all right what are you most disgusted by snakes rats or spiders spiders what's your favorite restaurant in Denver Magiano's. any book movie or TV show that's had a major impact on you in the last year or so oh Sons of Anarchy okay this is not as rapid-fire but um, and we may have already touched on this but what Failure or difficult time in your life. Did you most learn from do you have a favorite failure?
0: My time uh, playing in the Irish League Really didn't do myself any favors me. I was if you'd have seen me play you'd be like that's not the worry that I know
1: And what advice would you give to someone who's looking to find a good fit in a college career? Let's say they're either leaving Europe or a US just leaving high school looking for a team to play for to have a good experience.
0: Just if you get an opportunity, give it a hundred and ten percent, and always compete against yourself in order to do that.
1: Nice. All right, man. Well, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, it's been great to get you on the podcast and to catch up. And yeah, I hope you make it back to to Denver. We can we can go out and have fun again. That'd be fun, especially if uh, if if COVID ever ends, so we can, oh we can maybe God. go to a bar again. <laughs>
0: yeah, mate. Uh, thanks for having me on. mate. that was good crack. I'll uh, honestly, I'll probably be out to Denver. Probably won't be this year, but maybe try and make a trip at the start of next year for okay. sure.
1: Well, maybe I'll have a house by then, so I'll have you over. it would be great. I'll be at yours. All right. And thank you, Billy. Take care. Take okay. care, Big Bye-bye. Bye. If you like the podcast, please consider subscribing to my newsletter, which you can find at billyhanson.net forward slash newsletter. This is the best way to stay in contact with my work, as I'll be sending out new podcast announcements along with other written content. You can also support the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, or sending the podcast to someone who you think might like it. Thank you for listening and for your support.
0: It's a sauce.